it's so interesting because it's not just making a decision on Russell Wilson for next year. Like you said, on the fifth day of the new league year in 2024, next spring, they have to make a decision on 37 million that becomes guaranteed in 2025. So this very next off season, the Broncos basically have to decide we're going to make a two year financial commitment to Russell Wilson, or we're going to cut it. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with John Heath. It's the Broncos Wire podcast. We are powered by the USA Today Network and we appreciate you for hopping on board and hope you stick around throughout this Broncos playoff push. And to do that, all you got to do is subscribe. You can find this show wherever you get your podcast. John, how are you this week as your Broncos continue said playoff push? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, Ryan. I feel like Sunday was just kind of a, like not to downplay a win, like I always take a win, but it's just kind of a ho-hum win for the game game for the Broncos because the offense certainly wasn't perfect it hasn't been perfect for much of the year like especially in the first half they had some struggles you know weren't great on first down or excuse me weren't great on third down weren't perfect in the red zone and like you don't have to be perfect but you want them to be good and coming out of halftime once again they go three and out right after halftime so there's all kinds of stuff on the offensive side of the ball in particular, that the Broncos still have to iron out. But with all that said, the offense, and I feel like this, like Russell Wilson is like a perfect picture of the whole offense. He wants in, you know, great. He wants it terrible. He was just fine and he got the job done. And I feel like that's for the most part, the Broncos offense this year, like it's, it's not great for the most part. It's not terrible. It's just good enough got the job done and the Broncos defense once again is carrying them forcing turnovers the Chargers are just a complete mess what a mess. the Broncos benefit from Brandon Staley just being an idiot Justin Herbert gets knocked out of the game with a finger injury so the ball kind of bounced the Broncos way and it was just kind of you know like we both predicted last week they were going to win this game. And it's just like, yep, yeah, that's about what we expected from Broncos Chargers, especially when Justin Herbert gets knocked out of the game. A 24-7 win for the Broncos. Now they're, they are right where we expect them to be, right in the playoff mix. And really everything's right in front of them. Like they, they should make the postseason this season with the way things have been falling for them. Yeah, we'll, and we'll get into more on that later. But it was a good weekend for them, right, John? I mean, I mean, uh, Houston lost. I think didn't Indianapolis lose too. Pittsburgh lost. It, even the Chiefs lost. So I mean, I, I'm not a big like the the Broncos are going to win their division guy, but the Chiefs are eight and five. When's the last time the Chiefs have been eight and five? Uh, and and Patrick Mahomes is losing his mind over trivial <laughs> things like his guy. Uh, literally, he wants his team to be able to cheat and start off sides now. I guess so. That's <laughs> that's something that Patrick Mahomes wants. But it was a good weekend overall for. For the Broncos, John, they're right in this thing, right in the thick of it. I think if, if you want to play the other side, and I don't necessarily believe this, uh, but I, I think it's fair to mention, if you want to play the other side, you could say, hey, the Broncos, they've had a lot of good fortune here, right? We've talked a lot about the turnover differential throughout their five-game win streak there. It was very uh, fortunate to say, I think it was like plus 13 or something. They had 10 fumble recoveries over that stretch. It was crazy. Uh, this game against the Chargers... We both love them. This is my one of my favorite picks on the whole board in the whole week because weren't the Broncos getting like three and a half points or something on the road in this game? It was just like crazy. I, I love the Broncos in this game. So I think I thought they were going to win anyway, but Justin Herbert goes down, right? So this uh, this Easton Stick character comes in and you just know it's like, all right, well, this is over. 
Like, let's get on with our Sunday. The Broncos win. So you could say, like, there's been a lot of fortune here. And there's going to be a lot of fortune to come because your final four games here are against Jared Goff, who I think we're kind of learning, and maybe we forgot that he kind of blows, but we're starting to see it again. Uh, Bailey Zappi, the new quarterback of my New England Patriots. Oh, God. Uh, it's so bad. We're going to see Easton stick again because Justin Herbert's out, out for the year. Uh, and then Aiden O'Connell with the with Vegas. So it, not exactly you know Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow to finish out the season here, John, right? So the Broncos have been fortunate. They've been fortunate in the past, and they could be fortunate in the future as they push forward to the playoffs. So I don't necessarily believe that they're just, just lucky and it's all luck because I think the, the Broncos have had a good run here and they deserve it and they deserve everything they've gotten and their coaching has been huge and in, their coaching has gotten to, to a point where, and you just said it, if Russell Wilson just does his job, doesn't have to light the world on fire, just do your job, the defense will be good enough and they're going to be in games and they're probably going to win a lot of games and they're doing it uh, and they're following that script and it's working for them. But, you know, if you want to be, you know, the pain in the ass, the wet blanket on the other side, John, you could say that they've had some good fortune and they might have some more good fortune here coming up. Yeah, I, that's completely fair to say. And like you said, it's not suggesting that it's all luck and the Broncos are sitting here now at seven of six just because they got lucky. It, it's not all luck, but it's fair to point out that a lot of things have gone their way. Like you mentioned, that they're going to play three backup quarterbacks in their final three games of the season Earlier this season, they had a two-game stretch where they played backup QBs in back-to-back games. A couple of their games now, they've knocked the starting quarterback out of the game. Well, I say certainly, presumably not intentionally. We don't want any of those allegations flying around again. But just the way uh, other teams have had injuries, some certain players not available for their game against the Broncos or leaving during their game against the Broncos. And like you mentioned, the number of fumbles that they recovered, like I've said before, punching the ball out is not necessarily luck, but your guy falling on it definitely is luck. So yeah, the, a lot of balls have bounced their way. And like you said, it seems like that might happen again this year as they're going to have on paper, like you still have to go out and play the game, but on paper, they have a very easy stretch of QBs in their last three games of the season. And and the thing is, there's luck involved in sports. The the good teams are take that and say, okay, that's great. Let's take advantage of it. And you go take advantage of it and you win the game and you get in position to make the playoffs and you make the postseason. Like if you're a bad team, you know, luck doesn't matter. Like the people say like good teams make good luck for themselves. Like the Broncos got to be opportunistic and take advantage of these opportunities. And so far they have been in these, in this final stretch of the season, they're going to try to again. And so I'm not like discrediting for them for that, but I think it's fair to point out there has been luck involved. Yeah. I think, I think I just thought about it, John, as you were, you were speaking, the Broncos balls have bounced their way, but they also have some balls, right? Like they're, they're actually like a, a good team that can grind out wins. So it's not all luck, but it's a little bit of the two. That's that's usually what happens for teams that get hot and make a run, right? So yep. hopefully it's a good sign for the Broncos. So that was just kind of, again, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I think the Broncos have earned uh, everything they've gotten this year. If I'm going to nitpick one thing watching this game, John, it was Jerry Judy, right? And I think fans have kind of grown tired of Judy. And it's it's hard to rip him when you win 24-7 to and... I don't want to sit here and rip Jerry Judy to shreds, but there were a bunch of plays. He was targeted 
six times. He only caught two balls. And there were some of these targets where it just felt like, couldn't you, could you make the play? Like there, there was a few plays that looked like they were there to be made. I remember one around the end zone, John, in particular, yeah. uh, that it just felt like Judy had a shot at it and it just isn't coming together with that player. And I think back to all the times the Broncos can just move on from Judy. It's not working here. It might work out somewhere else, John, right? We've talked about it. It seems like every offseason, every NFL draft, every trade deadline, every moment where there's a lot of trades in the NFL, we, we've talked about teams probably calling on Jerry Judy and the team should probably move on and they never did. And now I understand fans' frustration because this player is probably just going to walk uh, and go somewhere else in free agency eventually. And you're not going to get anything for this player that you invested uh, dra- real draft capital in. So I don't know. His effort is maddening. You see Cortland Sutton out here balling out and it's just like, why can't Judy do the same thing? This team would be yep. unstoppable yep. if he would just do the same thing. Yeah. And and like Judy over the years has had all kinds of excuses like injuries. You can't necessarily control all that. And poor quarterback play has been a really big one. But this season, like again, Russell Wilson, he's not a perfect quarterback, but he's a capable quarterback. And like you said, you look at what Cortland Sutton is doing with Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Cortland's only Tyreek Hill has more touchdown catches than Cortland Sutton this season. Like Sutton is just having a phenomenal season and Wilson just puts it up. Sutton goes and gets it. He's, he's doing one-handed grabs, jump balls, all, like uh, keeping his feet in bounds on the sideline. Just Sutton is just making it happen. Like there's all kinds of circumstances that, you know, aren't ideal. All these things that, Judy has, you know, gotten even I have made excuses for him. And meanwhile, Sutton's just going out there and playing ball. And there was a time on Sunday when uh, Wilson threw this deep pass to Judy and Judy was kind of looking over his left shoulder. He had to adjust, go to his right shoulder because Wilson had thrown it to the other side. And like so many times this year, you've seen Sutton turn his body, bring that ball in. Judy, he just he turned but it was almost like he just didn't give a strong effort. It, it really seemed like a catchable ball. And yep. for whatever reason, it just seemed like he was just like, nah, I can't get that. And almost just kind of gave up on it. But it like it was just the kind of pass that you think 10 times out of 10, or at least 19 out of 20, Sutton's going to bring that down. And then you mentioned that one in the end zone where Judy gets his hands on it. He just can't get his feet down. And how many times this year have we seen Cortland Sutton makes such a great catch on the sideline with his feet. And I don't know if Judy, because he's been so, you know, uninvolved and because, you know, fans have rightfully for the most part criticized him. I don't know if maybe it's gotten in his head a little bit and he's just like down and frustrated and it's just coming out in his play now because he does have talent. Like we talk about him being a good route runner and and like he has good footwork. We've seen him make sideline catches in the past. So I don't know if it's at this point, if it's just kind of a mental thing for him, but you're probably right. Like the Broncos, they could have, they've had opportunities to trade him before and they just didn't think the offers they got were enough. In hindsight, they probably should have accepted one of them. But I wonder if Tim Patrick wants an out for the year, if they would have been willing to move Judy uh, at this past trade deadline a couple months ago. And because they didn't have Tim Patrick, they just wanted to hold on to him thinking, you know, at some point he's going to break through. But the the breakthrough has just never come. And we've got 
four games left and Judy did finish last season really strong. So, I mean, if, if he plays really great in these final four games, maybe we'll be like, well, you know, maybe Judy's finally turned a corner. So, you know, there's always like, he has the potential. It's just at some point you just got to stop talking about potential and just accept the reality that at some point he just is going to be who he is. Yeah. I think that's well said. I, I like the, uh, the take on Tim Patrick. I think that's a good, uh, a really good thought there. Uh, it just feels like the Broncos are really searching for that compliment to Cortland Sutton. We know Sutton's the guy for Russell Wilson. It's working. Uh, it's going great. I mean, I feel like some RGP Ryan's the the compliment right now, and they're they're working in the tight ends. They're working in this Lucas Crawl well, more and more. Look out for him. Secret weapon. It yeah. should be Jerry Judy. It should be Jerry Judy. He should be that guy. And and you know, there's still time left this year. Uh, if Jerry Judy can get going, man. That would add a whole new dynamic. I mean, it's, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for Marvin Mims. So we need we need Judy, man. He's got to step up. He's been he's been maddening. Uh, but Cortland Sutton's been the man, John. Another touchdown for him. And uh, you wanted to give an update on the Pro Bowl. Uh, Sutton was my favorite. You know, you laid out a bunch of players that you thought were deserving. Uh, I think Justin Simmons was on that list. Pat Sertan, obviously. Quinn Minerts. Uh, Cortland Sutton was on the list and I I said if I could pick anybody I would go Cortland Sutton he's just been he doesn't have the stats but he's got the touchdowns and he's just been he's been a baller for this team he's been kind of been kind of carrying the pass game a little bit uh, yeah based on what we were just talking about there in that previous uh, spot but give us your update where are these players on the Pro Bowl voting there's some that you're there's some stuff here that you're not happy about yeah well, the good news for Broncos players, five of them are in the top 10 in fan voting at their positions. That's Lloyd Cushenberry at center, who, and he has had a good year. And Justin Simmons at safety, and Simmons obviously, I feel like every year he's going to be right up there in that conversation as one of the best safeties in the NFL. Uh, their kicker, Will Lutz, who has played very well, and ironically in fan voting, he's one spot above Brandon McManus. So I think no fans can be you know upset about McManus. Lutz is right there, if not above him, in performance this year. And he's cheaper. And they're fullback Michael Burton, but that <laughs> it's kind of cheating because there's so few fullbacks in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to rank in the top 10 in your position. And then Marvin Mims as a returner, uh, he's in the top 10 as well. But the the guy that's leading returners in the AFC, I, I didn't even know this. Someone told me on Twitter, it's the Dolphins uh, – slot guy who's their returner apparently he's dating a social media influencer <laughs> and when fan voting you can do on social media like of course that guy's going to lead fan voting so i think marvin mims as a returner he's got to make up some ground with the coaches and players because they make up two-thirds of the voting so i think mims will work his way up uh but so those are the guys that are in the top 10 in fan voting which runs through christmas uh those are the broncos that are in decent shape the guys that are not in the top 10 uh, that I think are, I mentioned these guys because I think it's notable that they're not in the top 10 is Pat Sertan, which is just absolutely outrageous. Asinide. And Sauce, Sauce Gardner is also not in the top 10. And I think that just demonstrates right there. Fans are probably on the Pro Bowl ballot looking at stats saying, okay, which one of these corner has the most interceptions? Okay, I'm voting for him. They're not voting for who's the most talented, best cornerback in the NFL. Because if it was, Pat Sertan and Sauce Gardner would be right up there in the AFC. Is that kid the from Dallas, these- John, with all the interceptions up there? What's must, that? The kid from Dallas. Oh, um, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have the 
results in front of me, just the Broncos, but I'm sure he probably he's got to be yeah, because my, he's my apologies. So yeah, keep going. Uh, so Sertan's not uh, Quinn Miners, who I think has been phenomenal. He's not in the top ten among AFC guards, and then Cortland Sutton, who you just mentioned, like all these one-handed catches, all these catches in prime time. Like I don't know what more Cortland Sutton could do to a, catch the attention of NFL fans. He's not in the top ten, and then Garrett Bowles is not in the top ten at left tackle. And and Bowles, you know, I'm not super frustrated about Bowles, but I do think he's had a good year. That the biggest ones to me is Sertan and Sutton. And I think Miners is deserving, but just like to, for fans to not have Sertan in the top 10, that is just outrageous. And Cortland Sutton, like when you think about how much talent there is in the AFC at receiver, I can understand if somebody says like Cortland Sutton's not a top four wide receiver in the AFC. Like, okay, yeah, sure. But to not be in top 10 for Pro Bowl voting when fan voting, when he's having the year that he's having, I'm just like, come on. Like, I've, Broncos fans, they've got to exercise their civic duty and get out and vote for these guys. Or on Twitter, you can do it, or X, I guess it is called, or just go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl. And, like, you can vote multiple times. Fan voting, is it, it's kind of dumb. Like, I wonder at some point if they'll get rid of it, but probably not because it's a, it's a fun thing for fans to do to engage. But you can vote, like, every single day, so – if you want to get on social media or get on NFL.com, we got to get Pat Sertan and Cortland Sutton up in the fan voting. Otherwise, uh, coach and player voting has got to have to carry them. And for at least Sertan, I'm pretty certain that will happen because coaches and players make up two-thirds of the vote, so they have more say than fans do. So Sertan will probably end up making the Pro Bowl. I just think it's so silly that he's not in the top ten in fan voting right now. That is silly. That is really silly. And you, you, so you got you got to factor in that the best corners don't always get thrown on, right? Like that that exactly. that's got to factor exactly. in. But John, I think the problem here is, and I understand what you're saying. Like the fans need to exercise their civic duty and get out there and vote. Like totally, totally agree. Do fans give a poop about the Pro Bowl? Or do they, <laughs> do they care as much as the players even do? Like I, no, I don't not know. As much as the players, but the players do care. Like yeah. I I remember in years past, even when it once at a flag football game. People will be like, well, what does it matter? What do the players care? And I'm just like, the players do care because they have like incentives and bonuses in their contract for making the Pro Bowl. And just besides the money aspect, and there is a legitimate money aspect, it's a pride thing. Like, even though it's not as significant as like becoming being named an all pro, it's still a league wide honor and it's still significant, something. So the players do care about this. And so, like, you may not care about the Pro Bowl. You may not care about watching the Pro Bowl. But Pat Sertan cares about being on that list, and he cares about getting paid for making the Pro Bowl and then getting paid for playing in the Pro Bowl. So the like, the, the players do care about this. And so if you're a Broncos fan and, and you like Broncos players, a way you can like – a very practical way you can support them is vote for them for the Pro Bowl because – financially and like the pride aspect of it players do care and they do appreciate it yeah they do gotta get pat sertan on there definitely gotta get Cortland sutton he, he doesn't have the stats he doesn't have the receptions and the receiving yards to really stack up to some of these other these other guys so i'm sure that's why he's not in the top 10 but he's up there in touchdowns he's been a huge uh, factor for the offense in this run uh try to get Cortland sutton some recognition i, I agree with john there uh Just to wrap up this quick first segment, John, uh, Drake May and Caleb Williams, we know it's come out that they're not going to play in the college bowl games. I don't blame them. Uh, And and Drake May has already come out and said he's going to 
declare for the NFL draft. I'm sure Caleb Williams will be doing the same. And it kind of brings us back to a conversation I had over the bye week with Brandon Walker on the show where we were talking about Russell Wilson and where you stand on Wilson and would you would you keep him and would you eat all, all this guaranteed money that's going to be coming uh, in short order after the season? It's it's really right right at the beginning of the league year, right, John, uh, for 2024. Uh Guaranteed money, big money kicks in for Russell Wilson, and the, and the Broncos are going to have some decisions to make, some big decisions. And we had that conversation. Uh, now, that was back when we thought the Broncos might have a shot at one of these quarterbacks. It's good. They probably have to trade now. And uh, George Payton, you know, he's kind of a stickler in trade, so it might be hard for him to move up and get one of these guys. We'll see. But what's your thought on, you know, Russell Wilson? Has he earned enough goodwill now? Has he made enough deposits in the bank of goodwill with Broncos fans, the Broncos organization, John, uh, to be in their plans long term for them to feel like he is worth this guaranteed money? I think it's 37 mil, right, in 2025? That becomes fully guaranteed. Go ahead. It's so interesting because it's not just making a decision on Russell Wilson for next year. Like you said, on the fifth day of the new league year in 2024, next spring, they have to make a decision on 37 million that becomes guaranteed in 2025. So this very next off season, the Broncos basically have to decide we're going to make a two year financial commitment to Russell Wilson or we're going to cut him. And like like you mentioned, they're probably not going to get Drake May. They're probably not going to get Caleb Williams unless they did a crazy trade-up, which is possible because Sean Payton, when he's liked a player in the past, he's traded a lot of picks for him. George Payton's been willing. You know, he was he traded a ton of picks to go get Russell Wilson. He, he traded did. picks for to go get Sean Payton. So the Broncos, they've been willing, to, you know, to go all in, to trade, to go do something, to try to turn the team around. So – they maybe they will be a team that's in the conversation to try to trade up for one of those guys if it's like the Bears want to stick with Justin Fields or whatever. But from the Wilson perspective, I would say, you know, you keep Russell Wilson even if you're playing to draft someone because then you have that veteran competent guy who's been there, done that, and you know, you just go with Wilson. You develop the rookie that you draft, whether you trade up for him or you draft him in like the middle or, or back end of the first round, you know, some quarterback prospect they like. Uh, so I would think that is a decent approach, but it's just such a financial commitment. You're not only committing to him to 2024. If he's on the team next year, they're committed to him for 2025 because like you said, you're going to eat so much dead money if you cut him after that. So I, I really think they basically have to cut him in March or before March or they have to cut him after the 2025 season. So it's not like they're making just a one-year decision. So that's where it's really interesting because I I would just say, oh, yeah, just bring him back next year, and you can still draft a quarterback and then just go from there, see how the quarterback develops, see how Wilson performs. But the two-year aspect of it, like Wilson's getting a little older, and and he's had a huge bounce-back year under Sean Payton this year, but he still has his flaws, and, like, he has a ceiling. And if the if they get into the playoffs and like they need to, uh, it's like a passing situation and like Jerry Judy's not showing up and, and the run game's not working and the Broncos are playing from behind and Russell Wilson, you know, is not seeing the middle of the field or struggling, you know, taking sacks on the ball. Like if the Broncos get knocked out of the playoffs and Russell Wilson is a big reason why, like, this is just completely hypothetical. But in that kind of scenario, if that happened, I could see Sean Payton saying, okay, you know, like I made Russell Wilson better than he was last year. 
but he has this ceiling and it's not good enough for where I want to go. So I'm just going to cut him and we're going to eat a lot of dead cap, but it's going to be less than if I kept him and then cut him in 2025 or whatever. And, and then just, you know, draft a quarterback and just roll with him and let him develop. So I, I, I'm sorry, Ryan, I kind of dance around, didn't answer what I think they will do. I, I just, I have no idea because it's such a, it's a weird thing. It's not like it's a, decision for just 2024 it's basically a two-year decision so uh, honestly i do think this last stretch of the season will uh play a role in their decision like like i said if they get knocked out of the playoffs and russell wilson is a factor why i think that could influence peyton to be like okay like he he's a competent quarterback but he's just not good enough i want to get that guy that i think will be good enough i want to get someone that can take us to the places I want to go. So that, you know, maybe we'll see how it goes here with this playoff push. And then once they get into the playoffs, like if they get embarrassed in the wild card round of the playoffs, then who knows what kind of conversation we're having. Yeah, it is fascinating. I think that's, that's a fair take on it for sure. John, I, I agree with you. I think it's trending towards Wilson sticking around, right? He's right now he's playing his way into, into that guaranteed money. He's got to get a lot of it anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's playing his way in. He's doing old school Russell Wilson things. He's not killing you. He's giving you a chance. It's, it's working. Sean Payton's tightening the screws as we've talked about in the previous episodes and you go make the playoffs. It's going to be hard to move on from Russell Wilson five days into the new league year. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Let's, let's get into that playoff picture and the next game on the schedule, the Detroit lions who are, in a little bit of a scuffle right now. We'll get into all that here coming up next. But first, oh, for those of you in your fantasy playoffs, congratulations and good luck. We have some advice from Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com. Here it is, and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Playoffs. I'm Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford versus Washington Commanders. Facing a top-tier Ravens defense, Stafford passed her 294 yards and three touchdowns last Sunday. That gives the veteran 10 touchdowns to just one interception in his last three games. Meanwhile, Washington ranks dead last in passing yards allowed per game at 266, yards per attempt at 8.1, touchdowns allowed 30, and, in the last five weeks, this matchup is 32% better than average. Nine quarterbacks have posted at least 25 fantasy points against the Commanders on the year. DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia Eagles at Seattle Seahawks. Another former Detroit Lion, Swift now has finished with fewer than 10 PPR points in four of the last five games after seven straight useful performances. Fear not, the matchup ahead is extremely favorable and gives Swift a valid opportunity to get back on track. Running backs have averaged the 10th most rushing yards, 5th most receiving yards, the 8th most catches per game, and a touchdown every 19.3 touches, which is the second highest rate since week 9. While risky, Swift's matchup alone makes him a strong play candidate. Wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, Green Bay Packers versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dobbs managed four catches for 32 yards against the Giants. That's weak production, but he might be thrust into the clear-cut number one role depending on what happens with injuries around him. Christian Watson has a hamstring injury, Dontavian Wicks has an ankle issue, and rookie Jaden Reed potentially is facing a concussion. Against the shaky Buccaneers secondary, Dobbs looks like a possible wide receiver two candidate, and this defense has permitted 19 receivers to reach double-digit fantasy territory in PPR scoring. Tight end Isaiah Likely, Baltimore Ravens at Jacksonville Jaguars. A 54-yard score against broken coverage last week made an otherwise modest day much more appealing. Likely has drawn 15 total targets in his two starts since the Ravens lost Mark Andrews. 
and that kind of stable role makes him tough to ignore in any format. The Jaguars have given up three touchdowns over the last 21 tight end catches faced, and only two defenses have allowed scores at a higher rate. This is the number 11 matchup for yardage allowed since week 9, but it's also a neutral 17th for receptions against in the last five weeks. Even still, there's no reason to get away from likely with this favorable matchup, especially considering how volatile the position is. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back again. It was a good weekend for the Broncos, John, right? They win. Texans lose. Colts lose. Steelers lose. Uh, so where, where, are the, where are the Broncos right now? They are ninth in the standings. They're right there on the edge. They have the same record as the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are the sixth seed. So they're, they're right there. They're right there uh, on the cusp of a wildcard berth. But with the Chiefs losing to the Bills, falling to 8-5, and five, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid crying at the podium. Oh, how dare you call a penalty on us when we had a great play? How dare you? How dare you do that to us when our stupid receiver, Kadarius Tony, the rockhead, can't get himself on sides? It's just freaking ridiculous. Chiefs. Oh, cry us a river. Oh, we feel so bad for you. What a terrible look for them. They're eight and five. They're kind of spiraling, John. I think they're running out of steam. I've talked about it at various points this year. They just, they're not the same team. Uh, I just feel like they're out of juice. And the Broncos broke them, Ryan. The Broncos broke. Yep. The Broncos broke them. Uh, so now that's the new storyline. They're right there in the wild card, John. But can they catch the Chiefs, right? That's been the big topic. What do you think? It's unfortunate because we always go back to that one and five start. Like they had a one point loss and a two point loss right at the beginning of the season to the Raiders and the Commanders, which in hindsight is just so frustrating. If you win both of those games, which was super feasible, or even just win one of them, they're tied in the AFC West right now, or they're leading the AFC West right now. So it it's just coulda, shoulda, woulda. I feel like it's unfortunate because they could have taken advantage and could have won the AFC West this year. But even though they're just one game behind the chiefs, I don't think they're going to catch them to win the division. I think the chiefs have too uh, easy of a remaining schedule. And I've been saying, you know, for weeks that I'm not counting this Lions game as a win for the Broncos. So I don't think the Broncos are going to win out and the chiefs might drop one more game. And I'm not sure, actually I haven't, I should go through one of those simulators what happens if, if uh, the Chiefs and the Broncos ended up as the same exact record? Well, the tiebreaker would probably just come down to uh, like which opponent they lost to. There would be all kinds of tiebreakers in play. But I, I don't, I'm not counting on them to catch the Chiefs and the AFC West. That would be hilarious if the Chiefs crashed that much that the Broncos ended up winning <laughs> the division. But I, I do think they are going to be able to get a wild card spot at 10 and 7. That's been my prediction for weeks and i'm sticking to it because right there the texans are seven and six like you mentioned the colts are seven and six the steelers are seven and six the browns are eight and five but the broncos have a tiebreaker over them the bills now are are seven and six right with the broncos but the broncos have a tiebreaker over them as well so i think the broncos are in pretty decent shape to to at least you know, ideally get the seventh seed in the AFC. And if the Chiefs keep stumbling, that it, it would just be hilarious. Like, I would love to see it, but I don't think they're going to catch them in the division. Yeah, that would be hilarious. Uh, we all feel so bad for you, for you guys, you Chiefs, that that, that penalty was called when the player was like a foot offsides. Uh, yeah, we it, and it is the ref's job, John, to make sure you're not offsides on a key play. Yeah, that's the ref's job. Okay, Patrick. I, I, I do have to defend Andy Reid to you, Ryan, because Andy Reid did say that 
the uh, Tony did not uh, confirm with the official. It was Patrick Mahomes that was being a big baby. I think yeah. Andy Reid, like Andy Reid, knows that's on the receiver. It's not on the ref. Like it's just, it's just basic wide receiver play. You go up to the line, you tell the receiver I'm on or I'm off, and you wait for the ref to say you're good or move up or move back. And then once he gives you that confirmation, you know you're good. People put you know a try to gotcha video of Tony as he's walking up the line. He just kind of puts his hands up in the air for like the briefest half second, turns his head forward, doesn't wait for any acknowledgement for the ref. After he he puts his hand up in the air, he takes like another step forward. So he wasn't even set yet. And I was like, <laughs> that that doesn't prove anything. That just makes it look worse. Like uh, some Chiefs fans are trying to say that that showed that he got confirmation from the ref. And I was like, no, it's not confirmation from the ref. The ref didn't even acknowledge him. And he wasn't even set when he waved his arm like that. So it, that uh, I'm sorry on the Broncos wired a tangent or the Broncos wired podcast to go on that tangent. But that is just, that's totally on the chiefs. It's totally on the receiver. That's not a mistake by the officials. It's just the right call. The receiver's got to get himself set, and he's got to check with the referee. So, yeah, yeah boo-hoo for the Chiefs, as you can <laughs> tell, Ryan. No tears lost for them. Yeah, you feel bad. Uh, Andy Reid did come out and say something, though, like it was a disgrace that the that the league would, would call a penalty on that, on that Did play. He, really? he said something I, like I that. I totally missed that. Reed said that. I, 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 I'll find, I'll find the audio. I thought he did. Okay, I'm disappointed you. in him. Then. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know, John, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could just be in an anti chiefs mode here and just making <laughs> stuff up. So, uh, which, you know, I've been, I've been known to do. So, uh, uh, don't quote me on that yet. I'll get back to you. I'll text you. Uh, but that brings us to this game against the lions. Uh, I don't, I know Sean Payton, Dan Campbell, they're tight, they're buddies, whatever. Uh, I don't, that, that one doesn't interest me, John. Like, uh, you know, that's like the big storyline around this game, right? Every, everything you read, oh, Sean Payton loves Dan Campbell. Oh, Dan Campbell loves Sean Payton. Oh, the mutual respect. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm interested here in the Lions kind of scuffling a little bit, John, and they're yeah. kind of being a blueprint to beat this team. I think the Bears have, the Bears have given the Lions trouble both times they played this year. They just beat the Lions pretty handily. Uh, in week 14, and it's pretty clear that if you can stop the run, you can beat the Lions. If you can take their run game, the Lions want to get out ahead of you and pummel you with the run game, right? That's what they want to do. That helps protect their bad defense, and that takes the ball out of Jared Goff's hands and doesn't make him have to win it, right? And it's the other way around when you can get a lead on them and really take their run game. Now, they still ran. I mean, the Bears are an excellent run defense, and the Lions still ran on them. If you look at the stats, they ran fine against the bears, but it was game script or it was game flow. They were behind and it becomes a Jared Goff game and Jared Goff is going to do Jared Goff things. And it makes, it really takes the lions who I think are a really good team. It brings them down a few pegs. So can the Broncos compete in the run game defensively against this team? Now, if you look at the, the stats, the Broncos are the worst team in football against the run. Now that's yeah. not, and that's even with them being a lot better, John, the last month, Right. So that's a, a lot of that was early in the year. They've been a lot better, but can they compete against the run in this game? Can they get a lead? And can they put the ball in Jared Goff's hands, right? I think I don't like the Broncos in this game if they let the Lions get up on them and then pound the run because I think that could be a problem. So that's my that's my most interesting, that's what I'm most interested in, that confrontation there. Uh, I think the Broncos got to go out and get a lead, and I think they got to be competitive at the run. If they're not, it's going to be a long day. 
Yeah, I think you're spot on. And and like you said, that Dolphins game, it's going to skew season-long stats all season. But even besides that, like you mentioned, even in recent weeks, as the Broncos' defense has gotten so much better, defending the run is still their weakness on defense. And they've gotten into some good game scripts where they've had some leads and you don't have to defend the run as much. But in a, in a neutral game script, like you said, early on, or if the Lions build a lead, that like defending the run is a weakness for the Broncos, even when their defense has been playing better. So that is a concern. And I think it's great, like you pointed out too, like Jared Goff, I was talking earlier about, you know, a quarterback with a limited ceiling who can only take you so far. Like Jared Goff is an example of that. And he like, he's, he's a fine, he's a fine quarterback. Like, I feel like he's like an average NFL quarterback. He's fine. Like you can win with him and the Lions have won with him, but he is just terrible against the blitz when it's a a passing situation for the lions they got to throw the ball like you said they they can't just run over teams they got to score points quickly they got to throw the ball if that defense is blitzing him flustering him getting in his face jared goff just can't handle that And, and not just the eye test like statistically like pro football reference or pro football focus and other sites have laid out how under you know against the blitz jared goff's numbers just tank and and lately like all Vance Joseph, he's always loved to blitz, but these last few weeks, I haven't actually looked at the numbers breaking them down. But it feels like these last few games, Vance Joseph has just teed off on quarterbacks, just blitzing, blitzing, blitzing. And, and on Sunday, the Broncos had six sacks and just a bunch of negative yardage on those sacks. So I feel like you're exactly right that if they can manage to build a lead and if they can make Jared Goff be the one to beat them and then Vance Joseph is just blitzing his linebackers blitzing his slot cornerback blitzing his safety like uh PJ Locke has three sacks in their last three games and Jaquan McMillan who just keeps making play after play after play he has a couple sacks as playing in the slot as well so yeah I you're I completely agree with you and but with all that said like I'm I've for the last few weeks, I've been picking the Lions to win this game. And and as we're coming now to it, I'm still backing the Lions to win this game. That's my official prediction. But I agree with you that, like, this is a game the Broncos could win. Like, the Lions, clearly, they're beatable. They, they've proved that the last few weeks. They've proved that on Sunday against the Bears. They're a beatable team. But it, it almost makes it, you know, the fact that they lost on Sunday, I'll – most things and maybe I just think about the mental stuff like this way too much when it comes to sports but I I don't prefer that for the Broncos because I feel like now the Lions are really mad they want to bounce back they want to prove that Sunday's not a good representation of them and they're they're more desperate now like the Packers are suddenly sneaking up on them a little bit in the division so I think the Lions want to prove that they want to go out and they want to make a statement win and of course like the Broncos they want to go on the road and prove that they're a real contender and win in Detroit. So it, it's not like one team has the mental advantage, but I just think the Lions are going to be more desperate coming off that uh, loss to the Bears, a division rival. They're playing at home. The run game is their strength, and defending the run is Denver's weakness. So I'm picking the Lions to win this game, but it is like I'm not going to be like flabbergasted if the Broncos win. I, I'm not saying like it's impossible. The Lions are a beatable team, but I, I got to stick with my prediction that I've had 
going back a couple – well, I mean, for basically all of the season. I'm counting this as a loss for the Broncos, and I'm not even that worried about it because I'm just being way too confident about the final three games of the season. I think <laughs> yeah. they're going to finish 3-1, and one, and I think they're going to make the playoffs at 10-7. and seven. That's been my prediction, and I'm just sticking to it. Right, and then I think you put in our show notes that according to the New York Times uh, predictor, you could go in there and put all your – predict you know you can go in there and play with the calculator that tells you the chances denver has a 93 percent chance to make the playoffs if they finish 10 and 7 and they still can if they lose to the lions here uh and my, my apologies john if you already said that on the show but uh yeah it's interesting right this will be the third straight road game for denver and the third straight game in a indoors right so it's it is an interesting spot it'd be a hell of a job by them to get two out of these three against texans chargers detroit all on the road all indoors. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a tough place to play with the Lions. I would caution fans, like, don't get too excited because the Bears beat the Lions handily. And you could say, oh, wow, look, the Lions suck. The Bears aren't good. They just crushed them. We got this. Like, w- weird stuff happens in division games, right? And just the Bears are just a tough matchup for the Lions. They're comfortable against the Lions for whatever reason. Uh, I think the Lions are a better football team than the Bears, but the Bears give them problems or have this year at least. So, I wouldn't look at that game and get too excited. I, I think this is going to be a tough one. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. I think the, as you, to your point, John, the Broncos have a path to victory. They just need to follow that path. And if it gets off the reins, if it gets off script, this could be a problem. Uh, the spread is five and a half, five and a half lines by five and a half. That feels a little high to me personally. Yeah, my gut reaction. Yeah. My gut reaction is to go with the Broncos to cover that. But I, I'm with you. I think the Lions win this game. I think they find a way. But I think it's close. I think it's I, similar to that Texans game. I think it's that one. But hopefully Goff just turns into a turnover machine and the Broncos have a chance. You know, that's that's what I would hope for if I'm a fan. But I think in a vacuum, I agree with you, John. The Lions, they got to get back on track. They're at home. They're running out of time here to make this season the kind of season they want, that their fans want. It's kind of gotten shaky ever since Thanksgiving for them. So they are going to be looking to make a statement and... The Broncos coming in off a couple road games, you know, this is it's a tough spot for Denver. So I would I would pick the Lions to win, but five and a half feels a little that feels a little generous. I think I might take those points all day long because I like the way Denver's playing. I like the way they're hanging with every team. Even when they're not playing their best football, John, they're in these games. So yeah, I didn't know which way I was going on this, honestly, coming into the podcast, but I think right now I'm feeling pretty good about those points. Five and a half feels a little much for the way Jared Goff is playing, but I think the Lions find a way to win it by like a field goal. You're the spread guy, Ryan. You're picking the Broncos to cover, but the money line Lions to win the game. Yeah, that's what I would. That's the official Broncos wire prediction. That's my take. I think it's going to be a a three three or four point spread here, but the Lions find a way. Uh, I'm I'm there with you on on the Lions winning the game. And, uh, you know, like I've said, I, I, I feel like, I hate calling spreads because I'm so bad at it, but I agree with you that five and a half seems a little bit high. So if I was going to pick a side, I'd probably pick the Broncos to to beat that five and a half line. But yeah, like like we've said, we're both picking the Lions. It feels like that Texans week. And, and after that Texans week, we were both kind of okay with it because it's what we expected. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing. Like, And if, if the Broncos do go in and win, then it's like, well, that's just fantastic. That's like a bonus. Like now they're just basically sitting pretty for the rest of the season. They just got to take care of the games that you would expect them to take care of. So we, we can't, 
Well, at least I can't. You know, you're a Patriots fan. But me as a Broncos fan, I can't lose this, Ryan, because if the Broncos lose the game, then my prediction is right. If the Broncos win the game, then the Broncos are one. They're sitting pretty in the playoffs. So this is a win-win for me. Not, Of course, not that I want them to lose the game, but, you know, either my prediction is right or the Broncos win a game that most people don't expect them to. So sure. yeah. I'm feeling good about this. And and a large part of it, like I said, is because the three games coming after this, and you know, maybe I'm just being way too overconfident, but three backup quarterbacks coming out, I really feel like they're going to go three and out three and O to finish the year after this game. So, so long as they take care of business in those games, I think they can afford to, to lose this game. Like you said, like that New York times uh, percentage wise, like, so long as they go three and one in these last four, in in theory, you know, we, we the other games still got to shake out, but like in theory, they should be fine going three and one, and and that affords them the ability to lose this game. And again, not that they're going to try to, or not that the players or the coaches are going to have that mentality, but from our perspective, you know, we're not viewing it. Or at least I'm not viewing it as the end of the world. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, we need we need golf. I think the Lions on paper are a better team, right? They're just a better football team. But there is a chance that Denver gets the game it wants, puts the ball in Goff's hands to try to beat them, and he pukes all over himself, as he's done many times before, Jared Goff. That's what we want. Uh, We just don't want the Lions getting a lead and then pounding away with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, and it's all of a sudden you have problems, and that's not what we want. So whatever happens here in this ballgame, we're still going to be able to come back here next week and be talking about meaningful football in December. We don't have to talk about the 2024 draft yet. You know what I mean? We don't have to do that. We have to talk about tanking like my Patriots when the Patriots go to Denver on Christmas Eve. I don't like that's not going to be fun. The Patriots are already eliminated. Two teams are eliminated from playoff contention right now, John, the Panthers and the Patriots. So Merry Christmas. I can't wait for Christmas Eve. Okay. We're going to be able to come back here next week and talk about meaningful Denver Broncos playoff, like, potential games that get them in the playoffs. And I'm here for that, man. That's you gotta be thankful for that stuff. Oh yeah. I'm so thankful. I love that these last, you know, six, seven years, the year after the super bowl, they really had a chance. They were just kind of just outside of the wild card. And they had, that was back when they still had Gary Kubiak, but then every year since that, it just kind of got progressively more depressing. <laughs> and and it, well, late December, they were never in it in late December, e- mid-December even. But yeah, like you said, as we get here now, really late into the season, even if the Broncos lose to the Lions, to still be in the playoff mix going into the final three games of the season, pro- I, probably the last time we could say that was 2016. And if not, it, you know, if there was a time closer or more recent than that, it probably wasn't really as close as the numbers would have suggested. So yeah, it's, it's great for them to be relevant right now. You know, they have, I think they have the best uh, record in the NFL the last seven weeks. They're like six and one. So yeah. it, it feels great when you're winning, you know, they've, they've put themselves right back in the mix, you know, credit to Sean Payton for that. And I'm just, I'm really enjoying the ride right now. And it's fun to be relevant again, especially after these last six years. Yeah, this is way better than firing everybody and tanking and doing all you know tank talk and all this crap. Like this is, this is much more fun. Uh, you deserve it, John. Broncos country deserves it. We've been waiting a long time for some meaningful football games to talk about. We we keep thinking every year it's going to happen, 
it's finally here. The Broncos are making a little push for us, and um, it's been great. We'll continue it next week as well. For John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Broncos, Lions, big ball game, good one. We'll be back next week to break it all down. We'll catch you then. We'll